Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. I want to shift a little bit. We finished our book of Acts study. We went through all through that. and It was a joy for me personally. But when I get to this Christmas season, and I, at time, like it's, it, it's a joyful time. It's like a time to reminisce. Anybody just love Christmas time? I just love Christmas time. But in the midst of like loving Christmas time as well, there's so much to do and so many places to be. We can come in this place and we're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, prayer, yeah, oh yeah, you. <laughs> right? Anybody else? Me? <laughs> I mean, sometimes I was like, I kind of feel that in the room today a little bit. It's just like, oh, oh yeah. And I was thinking about, man, I, I just pray that our hearts and our minds continue to just be bent toward like that soul center, one focus of what this whole thing is about. And as I was thinking about Christmas time, and there's so many messages about Christmas, I just want to talk about for the next couple weeks, why Jesus? Like, why did he come? What was, what, what did it matter that Jesus came? Yeah, he died on the cross. Yeah, he came as a baby. And most of us celebrate. But why did Jesus actually show up? I just want to focus on one of those pastors today. You know, many of us receive gifts this time of year. Who's a gift giver in the room? Who feels guilty when they get gifts? I feel like some people feel guilty, like, oh, you shouldn't have. And, but you probably love to give the gift, correct? Yeah. The best gift is the one that you really need, right? Where somebody like saw you, I, I think of Kelly as an amazing gift giver. My wife is an amazing gift giver. Like if she got you a gift and if Kelly gets you a gift, she's thought about it. She's seen you. And she's going to give you something that sh almost like strikes your heart. You're like, how did you know? You had to study me to give that to me. And the best gift is the one that you really needed or when somebody really saw you. Now, some of us are not that great gift givers. I don't know what it says about us. Anybody just a bad gift giver? You procrastinate to the last second, don't you? You go out to Walmart at midnight because nothing else is open and you roam the aisles trying to figure out because everything's picked over. Anybody in the room? Ah, come on now. I understand. But those kind of gifts, when you get them, what do you do with those? You gift them to somebody else you don't like. I know it. Or listen, listen, you take it to your office white elephant Christmas party. I know some of y'all have done that. I know it. Or maybe like think, you, like, you, you like you forget about it. Or maybe you put it in that dusty old spot because you don't feel like you really need it and it finds its way in the attic. But have you ever gone up in that attic or in that basement and found something that you forgot was given to you and all of a sudden you were like, oh, this is awesome. Anybody? No? Everybody, no, we gave that. We gifted that early. You're the only hoarder in the room. I get, okay. I feel like that's kind of that movie, uh, Christmas Vacation, you know? What's the, Russ comes over and he's like, Dad, the box is meowing. It's like, <laughs> right? What's that aunt's name? Bethany, Aunt Bethany. Oh uh, yeah, Aunt Bethany wrapped up her cat. Just a gift you don't need. I don't need your cat, don't bring your cat, you know? 
But then Clark like discovers, remember like Clark goes up to the attic and he's sitting there and he finds those old like real camera videos and he's sitting there after his family left him, he gets locked in the attic, remember? And he's watching the family videos because he finds this treasure in the attic and he's like crying, he's like, oh my gosh. I feel like it's like the perfect like scene of Christmas. We all watch that movie and we get it because it's like a dramatized version of our lives. Some of y'all have a Clark Griswold in your home. I know it. I've met some of y'all. It's awesome. There's a joy for life. And some of y'all have decorated your houses and it dances to the music. Anybody done that where the people are driving by your house? Anybody? None of, none of y'all in here. Okay, okay. All right, we can talk about them a little bit. It's fine. All right, let's get going a little bit. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us now. Father, I... I know some of what you want to do, but Lord, we invite you to do it. Some of us come in here confused, burdened, stressed. Some of us come in here just super excited. And Lord, we just open up our hearts and our minds to you, and we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would translate my words in the ways that need to be translated. And Lord, we just thank you that we can trust you. I just thank you that I can sit up here and just Holy confident that you're here and you're with me. I thank you. Thank you for your word. May it guide our steps as we move from this place in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Many of us have heard in this season, the greatest gift, though, listen, perspective, is Jesus. But why? Why is it the greatest gift? I want to talk about one of those things today, I believe, is one of the reasons why he's the greatest gift. But when Jesus came, you know, everybody missed the gift, like everybody. And this is the reason why. I'm going to talk about that. Isaiah 9, I want to start there. It's a prophecy made 700 years ago. And it says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful. This is a song we sing. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of of peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. This prophecy is given by a man named Isaiah. And you'll say, well, Jay, how do we really know that this wasn't just altered. You know, after Jesus came, a lot of weird stuff happened in history, surely. So I go to Israel, and in one of their museums, it traveled the country, but there's this thing called the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they were found by Bedouin shepherds out in the mountains of Jerusalem. And all around Israel, guys, there's literally still today, these Bedouin shepherds almost considered like outcast because they like live in the desert. And listen, when I tell you, I don't know how they live. But these Bedouin shepherds basically go around and look for artifacts to sell. And one little Bedouin shepherd boy goes into the caves of Qumran, basically, and takes a rock and chucks it through and hears something break. He literally climbs up in there and discovers giant clay jars that were hidden when the Jews got invaded. Old, old stuff. You can go and actually see these things. And on these scrolls, written 2,000 years ago or before, you can find that the translations map up near identical. 
So when we read passages like this and we're like, how is it maybe it's changed? We actually have evidence that it hasn't. And why have we not heard about it? Because it actually proves this. Why is it not a big deal? Because that doesn't want to get out. But you could go actually see these things. And even the Jews there don't even believe in the coming of Jesus. But yet it's on display and this points right to him. They just don't believe this is about Jesus. Now, fast forward 700 years. Here's what happens. And if you ever think that the word of God is not on time, it's on perfect time, but it's on God's time. This is spoken unto us. This is going to happen. So for 700 years, these people are looking for something to happen. Now imagine this. Something begins to happen on this day. Luke 1. The angel shows up to a young 14 or so little girl. Listen to this. Imagine this. A 14-year-old who was engaged, by the way. Betrothed. That doesn't mean that she was already living with this man but maybe their families were friends and she had been promised to a man named Joseph. The angel Gabriel appeared to her saying, greetings, favored woman. Anybody ever felt too young to be favored? Too old to be favored? Too something to be favored? A 14-year-old little girl, highly favored. Whew. I'm going to talk about what that even means. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. Anybody else? Holler at me if Gabriel shows up to you. Are you going to be disturbed? I pray that he begins showing up to you in your house. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. What is this happening? Am I dreaming? Am I having a vision? What's going on? Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Just a short few verses later, in the same region, in chapter two, it says, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Can you see it now? They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, there it is again. You don't gotta be afraid of me. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for, what's that word say? All the people. For unto you, hear that again? Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. That means, that means you having this vision and you like coming to and you'd be like, that was, that was crazy, you know? I've had an epiphany, but that can't be true. This is the sign of what I'm saying is real. What's happening to you is so. It's not a dream. I'm not an alien. You're not been abducted. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, we pass by that so quick, but that is not normal. <laughs> You're going to go down into the barn down there, and in this stall is a baby. It's going to be wrapped in these claws, and the family's going to be in there. You, hey, you ever seen a baby in a farm? Like, in the barn, anybody? Like a fresh baby. 
Nobody. That's why he said it's going to be so crazy, you won't believe it. That's how you know it's true. God does strange stuff. And suddenly there with the angel, a multitude. Now think about this. It expands. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, like the whole sky lights up, and hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, listen, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the original readers of Isaiah would not have understood. And listen, these people were shocked because this is the last thing they expected. God showing up to me? What? Me? And as I was processing the word this week, I'm just reading through Isaiah 66. And you can read it on your own. I want to paraphrase just a couple things. But in Isaiah 66, after these prophecies that Jesus is going to show up, he starts prophesying of what the people are really like. And I want to read this. And these people are doing everything they can to please God. They want to make him happy. So they're taking sacrifices. They want to build him a temple to come and live in. Their heart is like they're wholly devoted to doing the thing. But he tells these people and he's like, hey, listen, don't miss it. But you're going to miss it. He says, all these things my hands have made, like the whole heaven and earth, my hands made. And so all these things came to be because I made them, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. He's like, listen, y'all, y'all think you want to impress me with the buildings you built? I, I made the earth. You're taking what I made and you're building me something? I built the whole thing. What could you give me? What I want is a humble and contrite heart. Somebody who's actually living in the truth going, man, what could I give God? What could I even do for him? God is beyond me and it's out of my control. And so much of our anxiety today, my, I just want to place to me so you guys really like the human nature my anxiety is that I want to impress God. I want to do something to make him happy and proud. And it's like, I made the whole thing, man. My heart never trembles because I don't want to be trembling before him because I want to have something for him, you know what I mean? And I, most of the time I don't tremble because I'm like, don't you see what I've done? Don't you see my work? I'm going to gather in the masses to you. I'm going to school and I'm telling people about you. I'm doing, I'm doing the thing. I got the stuff. And my heart, like, if I go to that place, my heart ceases to tremble. And if you've been, if you've been there, or you maybe you are there, you'll find that probably you make others tremble. But you don't tremble. Anybody? I'm just speaking to me. If you find others trembling around you more than you, I just invite you just to check and listen to these words. But listen to Mary's, uh, it might not come on the screen unless y'all are amazing, but in Luke 1, after the angel shows up to Mary, this is, this is her song, and I just want to read a couple. My soul magnifies the Lord, and then she says, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, and behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Listen, listen, listen. He's looking for the humble and contrite in spirit. Her prayer was, he saw my humble state. Do you know what the word humble means? It means broken. 
her broken estate. Listen, a 14-year-old girl saw her brokenness. God found favor with her. And yet all these people were trying to build this giant temple for God. And he says, listen, if you want to try to do for me, I'm going to tell you in chapter 66, he says, some of y'all bring all these sacrifices to me. You remember my great works of old. They will be detestable to me, he says. Now hear the word in verse 5, Isaiah 66, 5. I'm skipping through, but explaining to you the passage. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. Lord, help us, help us really come into the truth today. I wanna, I, I've been praying. I, I, wanna, I want you to take me to the place of trembling before your word. And if you read his word and you tremble today and you're like, how could it ever be good for me? You're very, very close. You're very, very close. You who tremble at his word, listen, listen. If you tremble at his word, he says, your brothers who hate you and cast you out for my name's sake, listen, have said, let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy. But it is they who shall be put to shame. Does that resonate with the book of Acts that we talked about? Paul or Saul was doing God's work because these people were not doing the right stuff. Kick them out, kill them. We need to please God. We got to serve God. God is the most important and his way is the best way and we've got to do God's way. But they missed God's way. Their hearts ceased to tremble before the Father. And they were doing it to make God joyful. When in reality, what was happening in them was just making their souls satisfied and happy. But they weren't trembling at God's word. Therefore, they were looking for the happy feeling in their heart. And that will oftentimes, many times, lead us astray if it's not confirmed in what God has actually brought us into. Everybody missed it, though. Not just the Jews, not just the Pharisees. In, in, more, in Matthew chapter 22, remember, they thought Jesus was coming to build this great temple, to show up and to rule and to elevate everybody. So do you remember the two, James and John? Their mom came to Jesus. Do you remember that story? And here's what she said. She says, hey, can I ask you a question? Hey, in your kingdom, anybody got a helicopter mom? This is what this is right here. I'm going to speak for my sons, okay? In your kingdom, <laughs> and we nervously laugh, huh? Don't laugh. It's okay. In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in the place of honor next to you. One on your right and then one on your left. But Jesus answered and saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. <laughs> That's very sweet of you. You don't get it, he said. They were all looking to elevate. They were all centered around self. You'll never tremble if it's all about you. But they couldn't see that all they were looking to fix was their own brokenness by exalting themselves and making themselves just feel better. But listen, this is not so hard to do this today. I want to bring this into real life, okay? Everybody wants Dion. Come on now. He's going to fix the team. And if he fixed the team, my week's going to be better. 
I know a lot of pastors would be like, my church would be better if Tennessee would just win. And you don't know how many pastors would be like, I hated preaching the weeks that Tennessee lost. If they could just win. That's a, that's, it feels good to say. That is not true. But it feels right. Now, I love a winning team. Go on, we just need Dion. That five-star recruit would never have left. He left millions for Dion. We need Dion. But you know what would fix the country? And if we got the country fixed, then honestly, our lives would be fixed. What does that mean? What does that mean? Help me. If we did blank, then blank's going to happen. Some of that's a little bit close to home, you know? But it's real. I pray that it causes us to go, what would it matter if we got that? Would it actually create what we're looking to create? Or are we looking to exalt the person that we are or who we are, whatever it is? To cease my trembling, to stop me from trembling, this would happen. Think about it. If blank would happen, I wouldn't have to tremble anymore. Anybody? Think about that thing for you. Think about that thing. That's why it's so hard to actually see it because it's so against our nature. I don't like being out of control. I like control. I like to be under control. I like to know how it's all going to work. Stop my trembling. I think a lot of, one of the things that I was really thinking about is some people tremble today because we think about Christmas and we hear all these TikToks and everybody being like, hey, Christians, you guys are fooled. This is a pagan holiday. And you guys are doing, you're doing pagan activities because Christmas is really pagan. Some of y'all in it, you're all thinking it. You're like, what do I even say? Did you hear Isaiah 66? It says, everything God created. How did the enemy get a day? How did they get a claim on a day? This is the, dev this is the devil's day? What are you this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in his day. Every day is the Lord's. This was a mindset shift of the church. And today I see the mindset shift is everything is evil. Satan is in charge of it all. We can't step into his land and we got to remove ourselves from it. The earliest church said, many pagans are practicing a holiday. Well, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's make it, this is about Jesus. And we celebrate Jesus' birth. Why not this day, the darkest day of the year? It's about Jesus, the light entering into the darkness. Let's celebrate Jesus. It's not pagan, but it becomes pagan when it ceases to be about Jesus. If Jesus is in the center, yeah, it's pagan. It is. And am I saying government's pagan? No, if Jesus is the center of you moving into government, then absolutely it's holy and righteous, set apart. But if Jesus is in the center of why I'm doing and why I'm moving, it's absolutely pagan. We should tremble, must tremble. But if Jesus is in the center of it and he's got everything and I've rested in him, then rest assured, 
I tremble no longer. I get to move in this place where he has filled me with his life and it's not me who lives, but Christ in me. That's the place where I tremble before him in joy. But until then, I tremble because my works are not enough. Why Jesus? Why Jesus then? They were looking to fix their brokenness. And in their own efforts, they wanted to clean up their lives. But the scripture, when John sees Jesus, Jesus coming, he says, listen, in John chapter one, John saw Jesus coming toward him. He said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Listen, listen, takes away. As I was talking today, did anybody be like, dang, that's me. I don't, I don't tremble enough. I don't do this enough. How could I fix it? How could I make it right? How could I improve my behavior so that God would be like, oh, welcome, well, well done, now you're doing it. Come on. This is why it was so fascinating and amazing. Wonderful news, unto you this day is born. Because literally, guys, in and among ourselves, we have no ability to accomplish it. Does that cause anyone to tremble in the room? I mean, I'm terrified, honestly. I can't do it. I can't do it good enough. That's why it was wonderful. And the ones he shows up to, listen, listen, the shepherds aren't allowed at the temple. That's Isaiah 66. They've kicked them out with joy because they touch dead things. They can't enter God's house because he's here and he's holy. God shows up to the trembling ones out in the fields knowing, hey, unless God gives me grace, I'm screwed because I can't go into that temple. I'm not like those other people. (laughs) Mary, a 14-year-old, God has seen my humble brokenness. I don't know what she was going through. She wasn't fighting to improve and fix her life. She was just like, God, unless you show up, I don't know what I'm going to do. Who takes away the sin of the world. Would you allow him to be who he is, the truth? Step into it. Romans 5, 8. But God showed his great love for, what's that word? Us by sending Christ to die for us. Now he said to die, we're talking about birth. Think about this, this was God's plan when he sent the baby. The death of Jesus was already in his mind. It was the plan from the beginning. Stepping out of heaven, I love my son so much. They're worth it. I love them so much. By sending Christ to die for us, and that while we were still sinners, while we weren't even trembling, all those people who nailed him on the cross, what did he say? Forgive them. They don't get it. If you haven't got it, he died for you. Are you not trembling enough? He trembled on the cross for you, he trembled perfectly. This is just wonderful news for you and me. John 3, 17, God sent his only son into the world. Listen, not to condemn the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him, to save us from our lack of trembling. Are you not trembling enough? 
Do you see it? Receive it. This is the greatest gift and it will transform your life. He trembled for you and he trembled through blood, sweat, and tears and trembled perfectly, even to the very end. Forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. They're not trembling enough. I'm trim he trembled enough for you. You can't work your way to trembling, allow him to tremble for you. Allow that to be enough for you today. It'll be the greatest gift you've ever received and will set you free to tremble in the best kind of way. And you will tremble with the greatest humility and brokenness before him because he did everything in love for you in the midst of your lack of trembling. And he did everything for me today. In my lack of trembling, he showed up to me. Do you need, maybe you're experiencing them. I just know it in the room. I just know it. There's just a wash of, what's that word? Peace, he said, would happen. This message is the power of God. This message is for you. Unto you this day is born. The Prince of Peace. This message is true for you. It's true for you. I didn't make it up. It's the Word of God. And He loved you so much that He did what He did. He is the gift of this season, and not just this season, but every single moment of our lives. And maybe, just maybe, uh, this is a brand new idea for you. It's like a gift you've never heard, You've never received it today. It's for you. Have it. Take it. And if peace is like flooding your heart, it's just the evidence of his presence. His word is true. His spirit is alive. And you can respond in a way, if that's really rocking your world, like we display that. We put that on display by baptism. I encourage you, if that's you and you're like, man, I just received that as a gift for my life today. Come and be baptized and come follow him and discover more about what that even meant. The second is, I pray that some of us felt like we didn't need that. It's become kind of like a byproduct or whatever's happening in our life. We are busy Christmas time, busy lives. And it's that, uh, it's that dusty thing in the attic, that gift that's dusty. And it's like somebody brought it out and you didn't even realize what it was. I pray in the season, you just open that up and you just examine it and discern it and learn and live. And listen, listen, enjoy. That means joy in the now. Enjoyment. Enjoy the peace of it. Have it. And then as you carry this gift, I believe he's gonna send you to others that are wandering through life looking for this wonderful gift and out of their hellish work, you have that gift, give it away. As freely as you received it, what is the word? Freely give it away. Father, I thank you for who you are. I just love to, while our heads are bowed, or just, just discern where you are. Uh, if the Lord's like just ministered to your heart today through the reading of His Word, 
I just pray nobody's like, would you just lift a hand? And I would just love to pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. I just believe just even that just wants to show you even more. I just want to speak that to you. Just wants to show you more. And he, listen, he's going to show you more. The depths of what he's showing you are undiscoverable. Like to the end, it's like more than you could fathom. And he wants to take you out into deep, deep waters in it. Father, every person that just acknowledged that this was a blessing, Lord, I just, I just pray a, a wind of your presence, Lord. And I, I, you're in charge. I'm not conjuring. But Lord, we just ask, I just ask for just a fresh touch from you. Lord, right now as we discern, I ask that you would give us your vision of what it's like to receive that gift of you in the purity, the perfection. Lord, would you give us eyes clearly to see how wonderful you are? That you're like wonderful? That you're peace-filled? Who, just who you are, King Jesus. We just. I pray in Jesus' name.